series called Count Me In. And this entire year has culminated in this series as we have started at the front of the, of the year reminding us what does a kingdom person really look like? How do we live into the story of God? And each and every Sunday we've come together, we have rediscovered what it means to follow a risen Savior. And so last week we kicked off this series, Count Me In, and we were reminded that each and every one of us are irreplaceable in the story of God, that we all have a place at the table, that no matter what your talent or giftedness is, everyone is important in the body of Christ. It takes all of us to tell the story of Jesus. And so today we're going to unpack the idea of what does it look like to be devoted, a follower of Christ who is absolutely devoted to Jesus Christ. Because each and every one of us could have the curtain pulled back on our life and it would reveal what is important to us. It would reveal what's, what we're devoted to, whether we look at our, our checking account, whether we look at our calendar the margin of time that we give to whatever in the course of the week, it would reveal what we are devoted to because each and every one of us, church, are devoted to something. And that something might be your favorite sports team. Maybe you've got season tickets. Again, nothing wrong with season tickets. They're okay to have. But that could reveal uh, something that's really important to you. I love my Oklahoma State Cowboys. We don't always win. This weekend was a good weekend. But besides that, and maybe for you, in your family, it's your kids. Maybe that's the thing that you're devoted to. And really, you kind of let them run your schedule and how things go in your particular house. Maybe for you, the thing you're devoted to is your career. Making more money, getting the nameplate changed on your door, climbing that corporate ladder, but then something falls by the wayside because that's your focus. That's what you're devoted to. And so maybe your marriage is not as good as it could be, or your parenting skills are not where they need to be, or maybe your involvement in the body of Christ, the church, is not as active as maybe God would hoped it would be in your life. We're all devoted to something. And unfortunately, most of what we are devoted to are things that won't last forever. And Jesus calls us in our life to be devoted to things that are eternal in nature, that will last forever. In the greatest sermon ever preached in Matthew chapter 6, we find the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus says these words. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them or rust destroys them or where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, is where your heart actually is. And if there's nothing that you remember from today's time together... This one phrase is the one that I want you to take with you, not only because it's Thanksgiving week, but because all year, church, as followers of Christ, should be a year of Thanksgiving. And here's the phrase. Our God has created us to pour and not store. Our God has created us to be people who are giving. People who are, in our life, take the blessing that God gives us and, and passes that around to those around us. That's what being a kingdom person is all about. That's why we're different than the world. That's why we're called disciples of the risen Savior, because we do things differently than the world does around us. Jesus said it a different way in a different place. He said, look, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
And if you've ever been on the end of giving, you know what that feels like and how good that can make you feel because that's what we're created to do. These bags on the stage, many of you have signed up to give out these Thanksgiving meals to folks right here in Grand Prairie who wouldn't have a Thanksgiving meal were it not for you, and you're going to experience the gift of giving. First service has already taken their bags, and that's why we've got some holes. They're already delivering those. But if you look at the story of Jesus, every single day of his life, every single day it was this idea of pouring into the people around him. Jesus never stored up for himself. Even to the point of dying on the cross, he poured out his life for you and for me so that we could have the hope of something eternal, something that will last forever. Now, I've interacted with a lot of you over the years, and I know we have an incredibly generous congregation. It's... uh, what a blessing to watch you interact with the world around you and how you interact with that world and call them to understand something better. It is a joy, and you've experienced that joy in your life. You know, when we get to the end of our life, and I've done a lot of funerals in my uh, ministry time, it is never a moment around the table as we talk about that life where it said, man, I just really liked all the hoarding that I got to do. (laughs) I just love that garage full of stuff that I've got. I'm glad that I kept all my time to myself and didn't share it with anyone else. Those are not the things that we look back on. Because you and I have experienced those heartstring moments, those moments of joy and happiness when tears came to our eyes because we were able to pour into somebody else. And you remember those moments in your life, moments when you went on that mission trip and you were able to affect a family or a child in profound ways. You remember the moment when you taught that Bible class and you could see the lights coming on in those kids' eyes where they realize who Jesus can be to them. You remember moments when you bought groceries for a family over the COVID event that we've experienced the past couple of years where you gave something to somebody else because they were in a tight spot. And you felt the joy that came from that, pouring into that lonely kid who seemed to be off in the corner by himself, but you took the time to spend. Those are the moments we remember because church were created to give like our Heavenly Father has given I remember one of the first churches I worked at in Oklahoma, uh, this gentleman who was an older retired gentleman didn't want this story known, but it did get out. He would go to the grocery store and be shopping for his own groceries, and then he would kind of walk through the store before he actually did his shopping to see if he could see a family that looked like, at least to him, might be in need. And he would buy an extra ham or an extra turkey. And when he got to the cashier and he checked out, he'd say, hey, make sure this turkey gets in their basket. Let it go home with them. He never saw the end of that, but I would have loved to have seen the shock and surprise on those families' faces when they got home with a little extra because someone was trying to look more like Jesus. You see, church, the reason why we get emotional in those kind of stories is because in those moments is when you look more and more like Jesus. That's what we're created to be, a kingdom person He's a giving person, a person who doesn't keep for themselves but allows God's blessing to flow through them out to others. But there are some of us that live with this scarcity mindset. In other words, there's just not enough of the pie. 
And so sometimes we have this kind of this, this storyline in our own life where we say, I'm going to give more when I get more. And the getting can be that salary raise or actually start working in the real world. Or maybe it's when I create margin in my calendar, when I have a little time to, to pour into ministry after I'm done with my career, that's when I'll give. And so we kind of have this idea that when I get more, then I'll give more. That's that scarcity mindset. For an illustration, we kind of think if we have that mindset that there's one pie, and if I give you a piece of that pie, there's less for me. Rather than recognizing when we serve an almighty God, we can just create another pie because that's what he can do and what he will do. We have to move away from that scarcity mindset. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 7 about a guy who kind of had that mindset. He, He was really good at what he did. He was a farmer, and he just had an abundance He didn't recognize, though, that God had given him the ground, had given him the seed, had given him the rain so that he could be good at his job. But at the end of the day, he was reaping his crop, which is coming in abundantly. He's got so much blessing. In Luke 7, I'm sorry, 12, verse 18, he says, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Now, I want you to hear me up front that God is not opposed to wealth and having stuff, but did you hear all the personal pronouns in those two sentences? I, 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 when I get my stuff. And so a kingdom person doesn't think in that regard, I'm keeping it all to myself. It's this understanding that God blesses us every day with so many different things that it's our call as a disciple of Christ to allow those blessings to flow through us into the world around us. So important to discover. And Jesus goes on in the story to say that God eventually says, you fool, tonight your life is going to be required of you. And Jesus says in verse 21 of that same text, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And so we would be wise as people of God to live every day in the shadow of the cross, recognizing how much we have been blessed. You see, church, we are created to pour, not store. Some of us live with that mentality of scarcity, but some of us live with the mentality of abundance. In other words, we recognize that we serve an incredible God who is incredibly generous with everything that he has to give us. He's a good God. He wants to bless his children. As we talked about last week, the adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God, that's you and me. We have so much that God wants to give us, and he calls us as his people to take the blessing that he gives us and pass that on to others around us. There's a story of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 7 where we find that scarcity mindset and the abundant mindset in the same exact story. There's a moment where Jesus in his ministry is invited over to a Pharisee's house to have dinner. And so he accepts the invitation. There's going to be a lot of muckety-mucks there. They're going to rub some elbows with the higher-ups in town. It's a place to be for dinner that night. 
And Jesus walks into the house. He's greeted by the Pharisee that has invited him. And he's invited to recline at the table was their custom of the day. And so Jesus reclines at the dining room table, which is low to the floor. And he begins to eat. When suddenly, a woman that has heard him preach numerous times and heard his story of God's grace and love and inclusion walks into the dinner party unannounced and simply finds Jesus sitting at the table. The text says that with a humble stance, she kneels down behind Jesus but at his feet. And the tears are just flowing. It says so much so that the tears are pouring over his feet and she's using her long hair to dry his feet The story doesn't stop there because she's brought a gift as well. The woman is a prostitute, and there's no question that she probably can't afford what's in her hand. It's maybe been passed down through her family, but it's a, a bottle of perfume, and the text says it's worth a year's wages. Now Think about how much money you make in the context of a year. That's how much this perfume is worth. But it doesn't matter to her because she has a mindset of abundance, I've been given so much by God, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. And so I'm going to give back. She breaks open that bottle and she pours the perfume on Jesus' feet. And the text says the aroma fills the room, both olfactory and metaphorically. She is humbly bowing before our Savior. She has this mindset of abundance. I've been blessed, and so I'm going to bless others. But the mindset of scarcity is also located in the room. There's a guy present by the name of Judas. You know him as one of the disciples. He's going to eventually betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because there's just not enough to go around. I need a little bit of money in order to make that meeting happen. There's not enough. Mindset of scarcity. And what does he say in the context of what's just happened with this woman? Man, that's a shame. You know, we could have sold that and done more ministry with that, Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say what she has done is beautiful, and it will not be taken away from her. As a matter of fact, Judas, her story will be told for generations to come, just like we're telling it this morning, 2,000 years later. That mindset of abundance is how kingdom people live living into how God's called us each and every day, blessing those around us in different ways. There's another story in Jesus' ministry that reminds us of how God multiplies what we do. This is going to be a familiar story to you in Luke uh, chapter 9, and we call it the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus probably preaches in the, the record that we have probably to the largest group that he has ever preached to. It says that there are 5,000 men on site. We don't, haven't counted the women or the kids present, so there's probably more than 10,000 folks that are listening to him preach. It's a large crowd, and he's been there most of the day, telling them how awesome God is, how much God loves them. Now, have you ever been in a Sunday morning service where it seems like the preacher goes forever and ever and ever. Don't anyone point at me, please. (laughs) 
Or maybe you remember back in the day when you went to a gospel meeting and those things seemed to go on and on and on. Well, when you read between the lines of the story in Luke chapter 9, you kind of get the gist that that's where the disciples are in the story. Because the story begins in verse 12. They seem to be bored and hungry equally. But it says in verse 12, late in the afternoon, one version says, as the day wore on. Sometimes we think Sunday morning is like that, right? As the Sunday morning wore on, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. Now, before they actually go to Jesus, in my mind, I'm kind of imagining what that picture actually looked like. They've been there for a long time, it seems. There's a large crowd. Jesus is fully engaged in ministry, and it seems to go on and on. I can imagine the disciples kind of like this. Maybe John is there, and he says, hey, hey, Pete, come here. Thomas, come here. Uh, Bart, what's your name? Yeah, Bartholomew, come here. Dude, I thought this guy was going to be done four hours ago. We haven't even had a bathroom break. I mean, when is this thing going to be over? I'm getting kind of hungry. How about you guys? Yes, we're hungry as well. Okay, um, Thomas, why don't you go tell him to, it's time to knock it off. Thomas is like, I'm not going over there. <laughs> Fine, we'll go together, all 12 of us. And, and so they go over to Jesus, and they, on their way, they're talking. They're saying, hey, don't forget to mention the people. He really cares about people. So if we tell him that the people are tired and hungry, he'll probably wind it up and send them away. Hey, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So they get over there, and they mention to Jesus what I've just read. And then Jesus does something funny in the story. In verse 13, he says, you feed them. Now, I can only imagine the 12 disciples in the moment going, whoa, that didn't go like I thought. <laughs> that, that's not how I envisioned that turning out. goes on in verse 13, and he says, the disciples say, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? Verse 16, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. I'm imagining Thomas taking that first plate and going to the first person available and saying, take a very small piece. <laughs> right? I mean, he's like, I'm not sure if we've got enough here to go around. But look what happens in verse 17. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Church, we serve a God who provides more than enough. We have an incredible God. I mean, look at the storyline. Jesus receives the food. He blesses the food. The disciples distribute the food, and God multiplies the food. That's how our God operates. And if you take nothing else away, this next principle is important in our life in general, and it's this. What you keep is all you have, and what you give, God multiplies. What you keep 
is all you have. But with open arms, what you give, God multiplies. And it works with your calendar, your time, your talent set, your resources, your friendships. God uses all of it for his glory. Church, we were created to pour, not store. Created to live differently. You see, generosity is not an act. It's a posture of the heart. It's an act of worship. It's a lifestyle of worship. The idea that whatever God has blessed me with is not stopping with me, but going through me to the people that I know around me in order to bless them in incredible ways. And last week, we highlighted a few of the ministry opportunities that we have together as the body of Christ, putting Bibles in public schools in Eastern Europe, handing out Thanksgiving meals today to people in Grand Prairie, which we will do, giving backpacks to kids who are in desperate need before they go to school, The list goes on and on of ways that we can bless those around us. The very last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. He's a prophet, and he's calling the people that are chosen by God, his people, back to God. He's saying, listen, you need to understand we don't need to live in a a mindset of scarcity, but one of abundant living because that's the kind of God that we serve. They had been kind of holding on to the stuff they had rather than recognizing that God is going to bless them. You don't have just one pie. God's going to make another pie and another pie. That's how God works. And so Malachi says to the people of old Israel, bring all the tithes into my storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out such a blessing so great, you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. We have a God that says, if you trust me, I'll give you back more than you possibly could hang on to. We're reminded in this text that we're a people called to poor and not store. We're the kind of people that want to to be generous with those around us in every possible way, to attend to the physical, spiritual, emotional needs of those people we come in contact with each and every day, and through the help of God's Holy Spirit living within us, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can be those kinds of people. And I'm thinking, you know, back in my early years, and I don't have it all together just yet, but back in my early years, young adulthood, I began hearing these kind of ideas and thinking, I operate with this scarcity mindset, but, but let's see, if, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to be very different, if I'm going to be so different, that means, that means I'm going to have to change some things up in my life. I'm going to have to rearrange some things. I might even have to make God a priority. Yep. Well, if, if I change that kind of thinking and really open myself up to kingdom living, man, I'm going to have to have some crazy faith in my life to do that. Yep. See, as people of God, that's how we're called to live out kingdom life. And so this morning is a call like last week is that you would say those three words with me, count me in. I want to be that kind of kingdom person. How about you? 
I want to be the kind of kingdom person that, that would miss me if I was not living in my neighborhood or working at my school or my workplace. I want to be the kind of person that my family longs to be with and my friend group wants to hang around with. Why? Because I have that mindset, that heartbeat for them because God's heartbeat is for them too. And so this morning is a call like last week that you and I would recognize in the story of God Every single one of us have a place. All of us are a part of that storytelling moment. And each and every one of us can have that kind of heart for others that wants to give in multiple different ways, not for our glory, but for his. And so this morning as we sing this next song, I'm, I'm sure there's some of us like me in this room who maybe struggle. There's a speed bump. There's something going on in your life that maybe you're hanging on to things when you need to really let go. And so as we sing this next song, our shepherd and their wives, shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the walls of this room. And I want you to find one of those couples and let them pray for you and over you. Put their hands on you and remind you that you are special to God. He wants to change your life and change it for the better. He wants to give you that abundant life. He wants to give you the kind of spirit that only comes from allowing his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. So as we sing this next song, I want you to think about how God has blessed you. And this week of Thanksgiving, how you're going to bless those you come in contact with. But it doesn't stop this week. It'll come for weeks and weeks to come. Let's stand as the family of God and praise his holy name.